Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Love you and we're so thankful to be back with you again. And I sought the Lord for the services for this service this morning and God gave me a message for you it is going to go along with the season and it's might seem a little quirky I mean Friday night was about fruitcake that's kind of (laughs) a seasonal thing but I guarantee you it wasn't just planned it was ordained of God and we're just flowing with it Um, we love you we love this church God has great plans for the future of this church. Every prophecy is going to be fulfilled in this time. Amen. I believe that. And I love Brother and Sister Burke. My husband and I stay in their home when we're here. And they are just as godly and real there as they are here. And a, a home full of peace in the presence of God. There are no greater people on the face of this earth than the Burks and their family. What a wonderful family. And if you follow this man and lady of God, they will get you all the way to heaven. So why would you go anywhere else or do anything else? If you know that you follow them, they'll get you to heaven. Amen. And uh, we love them so much. I want to say that it is really important to me that you know that I am under the covering of my pastor. I have a pastor. He has my itinerary. He knows I'm here. I have a home church that prays for us. People in our home church that connect and and text us and check on us because they're praying for us every day. And I wouldn't be here if my pastor didn't say it was okay. We all need a pastor. Don't you think you don't need a pastor? And even as I stand here today, it is just as important that I have the covering of my precious husband. And I'm under his covering. I wouldn't be here if he didn't allow that. And I'm under the covering of Pastor Burke today. And I submit myself to you today, Pastor. I'm under your covering. It's an easy place to minister because I get to flow into his anointing. That's the way that works. So you say, wow, that was an anointed service. Yeah, it was your pastor's anointing. I just stepped into it and flowed. You have that all the time here. It's no more anointed when you have a special speaker. Oh, no, it's anointed that way all the time. It's according to our response, our faith, our belief, our involvements. You don't get anything out of it if you don't put something in it. That's the way that works. I have a message for you today. I'd like for you to stand to your feet. And we're going to first turn to Jeremiah. That's way back in the Old Testament. Did you ever think sometimes when you start looking for Scripture that surely they took that one out of your Bible? I'm not the only one. It's like, that was here before. I know it was in here, but it's gone now. (laughs) Jeremiah chapter 1. And this is Jeremiah's story. His story has his name on it. Jeremiah. 
And there's a little prologue like there is in a lot of books in the beginning. We're not going to read his prologue, but we're going to start right in with verse 4. And we're going to read verses 4 through 9, only part of his story. That's why it's good to read the whole Bible because you need to read everybody's story. You're going to find yourself in there. You're going to find your answers in there. Somebody else has gone before you. There's nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. So what you're going through, someone else already did, and it's written in here. And how God will answer and what the answer is. Okay, so that's good to know. But this is verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet to the nations. Then I said, or then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I can't speak, for I'm a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Wow. That's a great part of his story, isn't it? I'm sure that's his favorite part. When the Lord said, I'm calling you. Quit saying you're a child and you don't know what to say. So if anybody's insecure about what the Lord's called you to do, you need to look at this story. Moses. A lot of great people said, uh, uh, not, not me. I, I, can't, I, I can't do that. And the Lord touched his mouth and said, I'm going to put my words in there. Oh, I want the Lord to touch my mouth today. I want my words to be his words today. He knew you before you were in the belly. He knew you before you came out of your mother's womb. So there's no question about abortion, is there? He knew you before you came out of the belly. Before you came out of your mother's womb. Not while you were in, but before. You're not an accident. No one is. You have a story. You were born with a purpose. And to find that purpose is essential. And it is never too late to say, Whoa, I, I, I don't really know what my purpose is. Well, I, I, work, I work a job every day and have a family and I, you know, kids and a house. That's not your purpose. We all do that stuff. We got to make a living. We got to eat. We got to live. Your purpose is not your career, it's not your college degree, it's not your occupation, it's not your family, it's not your kids. Your purpose is what God designed for you to be in your mother's womb. And would you turn to Hebrews chapter 12? And then you're going to sit down here shortly. Hebrews 12 verse 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. 
Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Today for your hearing, a message the Lord gave me, the author and finisher of my story. The author and finisher of my story. You may be seated. We got a glimpse of Jeremiah's story. Not everyone's called to be a prophet to the nations. Not everyone's called to be an apostle. Not everyone's a prophet. Not everyone's an evangelist. Not everyone's a music director. Not everyone's a teacher. But we all have a purpose. Our life story should include our purpose. And we should live in purpose. As a young child, if the Lord calls you, then that's the time to start focusing and giving your life to the Lord. Because there are chapters being written. Let me tell you, at 61 years old this week, you say happy birthday. Thank you. I'm not ashamed of 61 years. I'm so thankful the Lord gave me 61 years. I hope he at least gives me 20 more unless he comes to fulfill my purpose. I'm not done yet. I have some things I need to do. And I am so thankful that as a child of nine years old, I listened to my Sunday school teachers and my mother, and I learned how to pray from my mother. She didn't just pray at church, she prayed at home. I learned how to read the word from my mother and father. My father was not walking in truth, but my mom was, fifth generation, Pentecostal, tongue-talking, baptized in Jesus' name. And she began at a very young age teaching me, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And she just kept putting that word into me. And I remember so clearly on a Sunday morning, sitting on the front row, when the late, great Billy Cole was ministering the gospel, I lifted my little hands and my little chubby, freckled face and began to cry and said, Jesus, I'm sorry for the bad things I've done. Say, well, how much bad things could a nine-year-old do? Oh, a lot. And besides that, the Bible says we're born in sin. So even if you never did anything wrong, you already have a dirty heart because you're born with a dirty heart. So we need Jesus. The younger, the better. But that age of accountability was on me, and I realized I'm accountable for my own soul. I'm not going to heaven because mommy's going because daddy's going, because grandpa's going. I, I'm, I need to be saved. And I was weeping and crying, and Jesus filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You're not going up without the Holy Ghost. He filled me and filled me, and when the Holy Ghost got right here, strange words came to my mind, and I began to speak those words right out of my mouth. And I didn't sound like anybody else, and I didn't worry about it. It sounded like the faith of a child. I just moved my mouth and let the words out. Hallelujah, that's written in my story of 61 years, a long time ago. 
They took me to the water and took me down in Jesus' name. And I came up out of that water and felt so clean and was clean. And Jesus forgot about all of the bad things I'd ever done. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful that's written into my story. I'm thankful that at a young age I had people lay their hands on me and prophesy over me and my future. And when my mother passed away, I went to clean out her house and I was boxing up things for goodwill and so on and I was alone in the little house I'd grown up in. It was the only house I'd ever lived in from the age of three until my mom died seven years ago. It was the only house I'd ever, she ever lived in. And growing, growing up. And, and so my, my mama left a lot of things. And she had this box she kept trying to give me all my life. It, there it was with my name on it. Vicki Joe. That's my name. And uh, I opened that box. I sat down in the middle of the floor. And it's amazing how you forget things. But if there's a memory that triggers it. Something that triggers it. When I opened it up, the first thing I saw was, was there was a little, a little bottle about this big. With the first tooth I lost in it. Now that's pretty gross. <laughs> only, a, only a mom will do that. <laughs> and I remember my dad pulling that tooth. That memory came back. Second thing, there was a big picture of a red apple all scribbled and out of lines. And then there was the word apple traced scribbly and my name written in, in scribble scrabble at the top. And that was my first kindergarten picture. I had colored that. The memory came back. I'm sitting there on the floor going through these things mom tried to give me and I didn't want all those years and, and now how precious. But I come upon a big, big piece of manila paper. How many of you are old enough to remember manila paper? Oh, yes. The teacher would say, go get a big piece of manila paper. And that day, that's, that's what she said. And we probably needed a time filler. I don't know. She said, get out your, your Crayola crayons and get out your manila paper. And I want you to draw me a, a very detailed, nice picture of what you want to be when you grow up. What are you going to be? And I opened that picture, and there it was, and, and the, the tattered, torn edges, and it's faded. And here is a stick girl. I, I drew a, a nice stick girl of myself. I've never been a stick girl. <laughs> but I, I had hopes, I guess. <laughs> and she had a big, long triangle skirt on. And, and her hands were out like this. And she had four fingers on each hand. There were, there were no thumbs. I'm sure a psychologist today could analyze what my problem was. I think I just forgot the thumbs, if you want to know the truth. <laughs> and because everything else looked fine, I had big, big curls and a big bow. Great big bow on top of my head. And a great big smile on my face. And those hands were sticking out like this. Oh, and on the feet, I had high heels. I learned to draw a big high heel on each foot. And there I stood with my forefingers sticking out. And in one hand, there was a square drawn. And I colored everything with, with crayon, but then I got in a pencil and I wrote on that square, H-O-L-Y-B-I-B-B-L-E. Holy Bibble. And scraggly handwriting at the top. I want to be a missionary. I want to preach the gospel. I've been all over the world. I've been in nine foreign countries. Most of them many, many times. I've been in every state in the United States of America. 
a little nine-year-old girl. The date on the back was three months after I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Don't you tell me that the Lord doesn't call children or that he doesn't call people just born into the kingdom. You don't have to wait until you have all the Bible studies done to start looking for your purpose and say, God, why was I born? Touch my mouth. Give me your words. Show me what you want me to do. I want to fulfill my purpose and my calling. Hallelujah. That is written in my story. I wish that I could tell you that every chapter and every line of my story was just like that. There's some sentences I'd like to leave out. There's some things I wouldn't want to read. There's some horrible chapters of sickness and death. There are times that I sinned and failed God. There are times I fell down. There are times that I was betrayed and hurt and wounded. There are things I'm ashamed of, things I don't like, written in my story of 61 years. But you don't go backwards in a book. You keep writing. You keep reading. You just keep going forward because everything that's a part of your story is a part of your life and makes you who you are. You don't have to be ashamed of anything. You just know that's back there in the back part of the book and I'm just going to use that to help somebody else. Hallelujah. Your story can become a self-help book for somebody else. This is how I got through it. This is what happened to me. This is what happened when I failed God. I got back up and I repented and I prayed through and I talked in tongues again and I got back in church. I got faithful again. This can be a part of your story. Hallelujah. Problem is, we don't want Jesus to be our author. We want to be our author. It's my life. I'll do what I want. That's the beginning of destruction right there. That's the beginning of a horror movie. A horror story. They make a a movie out of some people's stories about their lives. Because it's a fantasy. Their whole life, life, they tried to fill the void with something else. Tried to fill their heart, their little heart cup that Jesus puts in there when you're born with other things. Nothing will ever fill it. Your book becomes a fantasy. It'll never help anyone else. But only you can change your story. Only you. By letting Jesus be the author. I read it to you. He's the author and finisher of my faith. I'm going to tell you a story today. It's a true story. It's about a man named Robert May. That probably doesn't ring a bell yet, but it will. Robert May, back in 1939, during wartime, was a copywriter for Montgomery Ward. Anyone remember that old retail chain, Montgomery Ward? Do you know they still have a little tiny thin mail order catalog? I get it in the mail. They don't have stores but they had, that I know of, but they do mail order. But they had big retail stores back then. One of the largest chains of stores. And that's where people did their Christmas shopping was Montgomery Ward or Montgomery Ward catalog. We got a big thick one that would come to the house and I'd circle everything in there that I wanted. (laughs) Yes, he was a copywriter. He worked in the catalog department. He did a lot of the writing for the catalogs, descriptions of things. 
He always wanted to be an author. He wanted to author a novel. He had high hopes, but he ended up in a cubicle in a back office, Montgomery Ward. Life was okay. He was married. He had a beautiful little daughter, four years old. Her name was Deb. Debbie was his pride and joy. Wartime was going on and times were hard. When Robert May found out that his dear sweet wife had terminal cancer. It was back in a day where they did not have the chemotherapy and radiation and the things they have now. So cancer was a death sentence, usually not very long. This was the case. His world is falling apart. A chapter's being written like so many of us that we never expected. We never wanted to walk through. But he is going to work faithfully, supporting his family when Christmas time is coming. He's approached by the CEO and the people of the company to do what he'd always done around Christmas time. Around October, November, he set out to create a, a, a coloring book because the children would line up all down through the store to visit Santa Claus. And they had a giveaway. Montgomery Ward gave a coloring book to every child. Oh, that was quite the draw, a free coloring book. But when he was approached by his boss to write something for this Christmas, it was a change of plans. There's a paper shortage. It's war going on, a depression. We want to do something for the children, but we can't afford to do what we've always done. I want you to write a little story and make a little thin, tiny paper book, very thin storybook to give out to every child. We've done the numbers, run the numbers, and it will be cheaper to do this. When they found out that Robert May's wife was dying and she was at death's door at this point, they told him, we'll gets one of the other copywriters to do your assignment. I know you can't focus. Your mind is clouded right now. We're going to relieve you of this. And Robert May said, please, please don't take it away from me. I need to focus right now. I need purpose. I need something to focus on. Don't, don't take this away from me. Let me tell you, when you're going through things, it is not the time to stay home from church. It's not the time to stop reading the word. It's the time to say, you know what? I, don't take this away from me. I got to stay focused. I got to walk through this and come out shining as gold. I, I've got to let the Lord take care of me. He said he'd never leave me or forsake me. I'm not going to forsake him now. I said, well, all right. If you feel that you can, if it gets to be too much, you let us know. He was daydreaming and looking out the window of his office, a high-rise cubicle in that big company. And it was a very foggy, very dark morning, foggy morning. And he's, as he looked out into the fog and the clouds, an idea came to his mind. His creativity that he hadn't been able to use very much began to kick in. He always wanted to write a novel and never succeeded. But today there's something creative going on. And he looks out into the fog and he thinks, wouldn't it be really neat if I could create some kind of Christmas book that had to do with the flight of Santa? So he shared with his little daughter, Would you help daddy write this story? 
Yes, yes, Daddy, let's make this story about a moose. They go to the zoo. They're sitting and watching the animals. They watch the gangly moose and she said, no, Daddy, this isn't it. Oh, but look at the deer. Aren't they cute? Let's make the story about a deer, Daddy. He called the illustrator and he actually came right there to the zoo and began to draw pictures of deer. They went back to write the story and as the days progressed, Robert May went back to his own life and realized, you know, I was always the ugly duckling. I was skinny and tiny and made fun of in school and I never could play sports and the kids all made fun of me and I was kind of nerdy. I was an outcast and some people have that written into their story. No fault of their own because of society creating some kind of ideal of what everybody should be. But you should be what God made you to be. And you don't worry about what this world's standards are and what they say you should wear and how they say you should act. And that's why we don't watch TV and look at a bunch of magazines and get all that junk in our minds because the devil's tricky and he'll make you think that you should be that. When God designed you just the way you are, he doesn't make junk. There's no mistakes. He's illustrating, he's writing this book about a little deer who has some kind of deficiency. As he begins to develop the story, he has a list of names and he, he decides we're going to call this reindeer Reginald. <laughs> they said, no, 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 not Reginald. That, that doesn't have a ring to it. How about Randall? <laughs> they finally came up with Rudolph. Rudolph. The title of the book is Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. The illustrators created the pictures, but this man, Robert May, created the story. He began to put together this little tiny book that they never dreamed would be anything major at all about the little deer the design artists began to draw Rudolph. Denver Gillen drew Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in 1939. They gave out those little books at Christmas time and 2.5 million books were distributed. That's a lot of books. Christmas is here and he buries his wife. You see, it's a part of his story. Death is in everybody's story. Everybody's. We lose people we love. I lost an auntie two weeks ago and an aunt yesterday. My mother's last two siblings. But you know what? They're shouting on streets of gold. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. We'll miss them, but I wouldn't bring them back. This is where I want my story to end. How their story ended. You let Jesus author your story and it's going to end well. 
Robert May continues to work in his little cubicle at his little job and he's faithful and now he's just writing for the catalog again and he's trying to raise his little daughter all alone and he's grieving the death of his wife. But time marches on and every day he punches that time clock and he goes to work but it is a sad sad story because he loses his home the medical bills are mounting there was not insurance to take care of things and he's losing everything but he remains faithful and meanwhile this little book becomes a little golden book Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer in the meantime Montgomery Ward and its hierarchy realizes we have got a gold mine here doesn't even include Robert May because Montgomery Ward owned the copyright. They own the book. Whoever owns the book gets the royalties. I have a little book that's been out since 2009. And every once in a while I get a little surprise check in the mail. My royalties. It's my book. So when it sells or goes to reprint, I get surprised. It's not a big check, but it's exciting because it's my book. But I wonder today when you're thinking about royalties, something coming back from your life, who is getting the royalties? Are the royalties of your story going right up to glorify God in everything you do and the life you lead in every chapter, every line, giving Him glory? Or are the royalties going to a devil who wants to destroy you and sift you as wheat and take you to hell? Who's getting the royalties from your story? Oh, Montgomery Ward, they're, they're rolling in the dough over Rudolph. By 1946... Six million copies are sold. That's a lot of books. That's a lot of money. Six million copies. The money's rolling in. One day, there's a, a man named Johnny Marks that was sitting in the living room of, again, Robert May, his brother-in-law, strumming the guitar. He's got the little book in front of him. And he's strumming his guitar and he starts singing. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose. And he wrote the song. So what does Robert May do? He takes it to the CEO of Montgomery Ward. And they begin to call around because they've got connections that Robert May will never have. And they call around and, and they call Bing Crosby who's making White Christmas famous. And Bing tells them, I am not singing a song about a reindeer with a red nose. So they call the singing cowboy Gene Autry playing the guitar and they said, we want someone to, to sing this little song. We think it'll go big. Because the book sold over 6 million copies. We think the, the, the song will take off. And, and I know Gene Autry was very thankful he wrote that into his story. Because he said, sure, I'll give it a whirl. And he played the guitar and sang the song that we know today. And, and that thing took off. The money began to roll in. And by 1949, it was the number one pop hit in America. 
number one Christmas song in America in 1949. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. The number one secular song. 1958, the story was rewritten. A movie was made in 1964, Burl Ives. <laughs> it's familiar to you today. I want it to be. This is somebody's story. This is a story of, <laughs> of Robert May. This is his life. Just, just part of it. His childhood was repressed and broken and bruised and battered. Things looked up. He went to college. He got a degree. He got a job. He had a little girl, beautiful wife. She died. He's working his job. He's being faithful. He's not slacking off. And he's not mad that Montgomery Ward is rolling in the dough because of his idea and his book and his story. He's not angry that they're getting the royalties. He just remains faithful. There's a lot to be said today for people who will just be faithful. <laughs> just keep coming to church. <laughs> just keep giving. Just keep walking. Just keep living this. Just keep being holy. Just keep doing the right thing because it always ends well. God will take care of you if you'll just be faithful. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. He kept being faithful as a father, as a worker. One day he went to church, or just, I'm sorry, work. One day he walked into his office, he punched in the clock. They lived in a one-bedroom apartment, a nasty little apartment complex, barely able to make it. Medical bills still looming. A decade later, punched the time card and went to his desk and began to write for the catalog. There was a knock on the door and one of the secretaries said, Sewell Avery is in today, the CEO of Montgomery Ward. The board is convened in the boardroom and they're summoning you. They want to see you. I'm sure he thought, oh no, <laughs> what else can go wrong? You ever, you ever had that saying, you know, when it rains it pours? <laughs> what else could possibly go wrong here? What in the world is, is happening to me? Why would Sewell Avery want to see me? He walks in the boardroom with his head down, his heart beating fast, wondering what's going to happen now. They clear their throats and ask him to sit at the head of the table and Sewell Avery, this multi-millionaire, is drumming his fingers and looking down the boardroom table. And he said, well, I've got some news for you today. He said, after a decade of Montgomery Ward receiving the royalties for your book, your successful book and song and now cartoon, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, he said, I have decided and we have voted unconditionally, all of us, to turn the rights and the royalties over to you. Sir, you will walk out of here today a very wealthy man. Robert May began to weep. But he had been faithful. 
It was his story. It was his book. You have a right. It's your life. You want to live it for yourself. You want to do whatever you want. You want to come to church just when you feel like it. You don't want to do anything for Jesus. You don't want to work around the church. Somebody asks you to do something. You say no. Well, that's your right. You can live your story however you want. But I am here to tell you today, if you will give it all you got, you'll turn the royalties back over to Jesus. You'll say, this is not my story, Lord. This is your story. And I'm sliding the paperwork across the desk to you, Jesus. I'm coming to an altar and I'm giving it all back. I'm turning it back to you. Everything I do needs to give you glory. I want you to have the royalties. You'll never be sorry. <laughs> You'll never be sorry. He'll get you through every chapter of death, every time you're hurting, every time you're betrayed, every time you're broken, everything you've got to walk through. He'll hold your hand and he'll get glory out of it. Some way, somehow, he'll bring flowers out of the dirt every time. <laughs> When I read this story, and it may sound, sound ridiculous, but this is the way the Lord uses me. He drew me to this story a few years back. And I wept in my living room when I realized what a powerful lesson there is in this man's story. And I want there to be a powerful lesson in my story. I want people to read my story and say, she was faithful. She gave the royalties back to the Lord. Hallelujah. You see, he meant it when he said, he'd never leave you or forsake you. That he would be the author and finisher of your faith. Would you come and play? He meant it. And you know how you can be sure he meant it? Because this beautiful book right here, 66 books in one, called the Bible, shows us that he meant every word he said because he proved it. He proved it. He came as a baby in a lowly manger and grew up on this earth so everything you go through as a child as a teenager as an adult he had already been through it every temptation everything but the Bible says he was without sin he conquered it we can live above sin quit making excuses for your sin You know what? When you do fall, get up. If you do mess up, you sin, you fall backwards, just get back up. Because you are the author of your story with Jesus holding the pen. And you can start a new chapter. When I wrote my little book, I chose when to begin and end a chapter. And you know what? Just recently, I called the publishing house. I said, that book is from 2009. I need to make some revisions. Okay. 
It's your book. I've put a whole list of revisions and sent it to them. And they had to apply those revisions. You need a revision? Isn't it funny? It's called revision. I needed a revision. Now I'm writing a second edition. So don't think because you messed up, you don't have another chance. Or, or, or quit reading that chapter over and over. Quit going backwards. Just close that chapter and do a revision. You know how you got that revision? At 33 years old, Jesus went to an old rugged cross and allowed them to put nails in his hands and feet a crown of thorns on his head to pierce his side where the blood and water flowed he hung there so you would know I am enough I've done enough to cover it all and then as he hung there may I draw your attention to his final words it is finished what was he saying I'm the author and I'm the finisher I'm saying today on this hill called Mount Calvary it is finished he opened that veil right there for us to step into the holies of holies and say, Lord, I want purpose in my life. I want to give you my life. I want you to have the royalties. Because before my book ever gets done, before, Brother Timothy, I'm dust in the ground, he's already finished my story. He knew every bad thing that would happen and he knew I'd get through it. He knew I would give him glory for it. He knew he could trust me with it. That's the way to look at your problems, your sicknesses, the hard times. Some of the hardest times of all I've laid before the Lord and said, thank you for trusting me with this. Let me use it for your glory. I want you to get the royalty out of this thing. <laughs> Quit throwing your life away. I'm talking to somebody today. This is coming out of my insides. Some of you that aren't faithful, you run out the door instead of running to the altar. You don't pray through. You don't talk in tongues. You don't give of your tithes. You're not here for special events. You don't ask anybody to come to church. Those things need to be written in your story. At the end of your life, somebody's going to look you in the eyes that died for you, that did the hard part. And you want him to say, well done. Well done, thou good. I won't be good. <laughs> Thou good and faithful. I want to be faithful. Servant. 
I want to be a servant. Now enter in. Because there'll be one final book open. The Lamb's Book of Life. Rhonda Burke. Mark Burke. Benjamin Vernon. I want my name to be there. There's nothing more important than your name being there. So, what decision will you make today? To live in purpose and let Him finish the story. To get in this altar and make some revisions. Lord, I want that one written written out of there. I don't want that in there. To start a new chapter today. You know what? You're right, Sister Vernon. From now on, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be here. We're starting a new year. And every single service, unless I'm in the hospital, I'm going to be here. You're right, Sister Vernon. I've taken my money and it's not working out great for me because I never have any. But I'm going to start giving God His right off the top. And I'm going to trust the Lord to write my story. I'm going to pray through and get the Holy Ghost all over again. And then I'm going to stay full of the Holy Ghost. Because I want my lips to be touched like Jeremiah. I want his words to fill my mouth. Would you stand? Jesus said it. It is finished. If you want the Lord to finish your story. You want to write a chapter in today of repentance. You want to be baptized in Jesus' name. The only way anyone was ever baptized in the Bible. You want to be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit speaking with other tongues. You want to be refilled today. You you want to dedicate your life and find purpose. What was I born to do? Whatever part of this touched you today, would you come? Don't don't make me beg you. Just, Just get out and come. You can kneel. You can stand. You can lift your hands. Whatever makes you comfortable. But get in the presence of the Lord and use your voice. Cry out to Him today. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. In Jesus' name.